Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, you remember back, I did those uh, Bugarama series where we interviewed some people live at Bugarama, and we got that down on tape. While I was there at the show, there were a few things that I saw that really kind of piqued my interest, and one of them was I started talking to a guy that came by the booth, and we just started chatting it up. Uh, he checked out my cars, and we started talking, and he was telling me about this fastback he's building, and he was actually debuting it there at the show, so... Uh, gave him some advice as far as where I would park it and some things to that extent. And I could tell talking to this guy, he was super, super hyped on building his car and he was really, really committed to, uh, you know, just going over the top on it. And we started talking and he gave me some German look insight and some of this. And I thought, man, this sounds like a car I'd really be interested in checking out. So I walk over to his trailer and check it out. And I happen to stumble across probably the baddest fastback ever built. Now, what do I mean by the baddest fastback ever built? I mean that this car checks all the boxes for German look with a Risto custom flare, but done so nice and so over the top and so obsessive in the way that uh, the, that Steve built this car. I knew that I had to have him on the podcast, and so we tried to connect that weekend, but you know, when you're debuting a car and, you, and your mind's going a million miles an hour and you got your friends there and everything's going on, it sometimes doesn't work out, so... Uh, he and I have kept in touch, and on this episode today, we go deep into the rabbit hole of the baddest fastback built that I've seen anyway in person. And and there's a lot of reasons, and, and we can go back and debate things back and forth, but currently today, have I seen a fastback that's got more detail than this, that's got more uh, design and engineering and, and those types of things? I mean, Steve really went over the top, and the craziest part is if this car was sitting at a car show you might walk right past it and say like, oh, look at that you know, black fastback on some Porsche wheels. Now, when you start scratching the surface and really digging deep and looking at this car, the obsession he went to to try to get things to be, A, which is really interesting, A, exactly right, and B, German look, which are, are not the same. So uh, it really shows in everything that he did with this car, and it's a long story, uh, a good story, and it's, and it's a, a story a lot of us will resonate with because – these are things that we go through in our restoration project. So I'm excited to have Steve on the podcast today. Like I said, I've been tracking him down for a little while to get this done. But before we do that, I want to make sure that you guys go and review the podcast. So if you got time, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us five stars and you give us a five-star review. I give you a shout out just for being a, a fan of the podcast and listening. So uh, I'd like to see our reviews getting pushed up a little bit. So if you guys got friends, send them a copy of the podcast, have them listen to it, go give us a review. Also to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com. And on the main page, you'll say, get some merch, click on that. You can buy a shirt, a hat, whatever you want to support your favorite podcast. Also, another announcement is September 24th is the one crazy weekend again this year in Las Vegas. That one crazy weekend is going to consist of a couple organized strip cruises, from the Orleans Hotel and Casino. It's gonna include a car show now on Saturday. So there'll be a car show Saturday during the day. Middle of the day, we're gonna have a toy and literature show there at the hotel in one of the banquet rooms. And at six o'clock on Saturday night starts the Let's Talk Dubs and the Wagon Poker Run. This poker run is gonna be a cash prize poker run. It's gonna be you, your friends, in a group, cruising around Las Vegas Valley, collecting classic poker cards from different locations, coming back to the hotel, getting your final card there, and the best hand wins cash. So 
It was super exciting last year. Everybody that did it loved it. It's going to be uh, even better this year because everything is obviously open back up. So we're looking forward to that. When you go to letstalkdubs.com and you click on the main page, the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend uh, 2021 link, and just click on that and you can pay. Uh, it's $50 to register for the poker run. It's 30 bucks for the car show. So uh, anybody that registers for the poker run also gets a limited edition shirt that's specific for the poker run. It's going to be a good time. So I'm sure you guys, if you guys know people that have been on it, you guys are going to love it. So I'm um, looking forward to that this year. We're working on the details on a lot of the things that will be happening during that weekend. But it's going to be a great time. We're going to make sure it's going to be a memorable experience for all you guys that are coming out. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you share the podcast. Send it to a friend. You can share it on your Facebook. Share it on your Instagram. Give us a shout out on Instagram or Facebook. Tag us and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So. This podcast is brought to you by VW Trends Magazine, the magazine for the people, by the people. That's right. VW Trends Magazine is back. You can go to VWTrendsMagazine.com and get your subscription now. The first issue is out now. The second issue is coming out soon. And you've never seen a higher quality, more feature-focused magazine that's been out in the VW scene for a long time. So support our sponsors. Support VW Trends Magazine. Now, without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Steve Knoll and the baddest fastback built on Let's Talk Dubs. back we did the bugarama series and while i was at bugarama we got to see a lot of different uh, a lot of different cars some people we did some interviews out there and i ran into a guy out there that that, that built a fastback and i made some posts about it and i'm lucky enough to get him on the podcast today uh that's going to be steve Knoll out of santa cruz california steve man welcome to the podcast hey thanks bill Hey, so I met you, you know, we met out there, we got to talk and you stopped by the, you stopped by the booth and we kind of chatted for a minute and then we, you, you hit me with one word and you said, I got this German look kind of fastback. That's all I needed to hear. Right. And then right away I'm like, let's go check it out and all this kind of stuff. So you built a, a super rad fastback. Um, I don't think, uh, a, some people on the Samba have seen it. like the Samba world has seen it, but I think the, yeah. uh, some of the other people may have you know it's going to be coming out it'll probably i would assume that that fastback is going to be in the magazine and it's it's a phenomenal fastback i, I just love everything you've done with it we're going to go we're going to break this whole thing down piece by piece and if you guys want to check it out down in the detail section of the podcast you'll see a link to the samba forum page that's a couple hundred pages long of the whole build thread on this thing and uh it's it's really detailed and it's, and it's been a long time coming and so uh Steve, we always start the podcast the same way. We always start the podcast with what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, I was like one of those weird kids that was building model cars and kind of nerdy when I, when I was like six. And when I was like eight years old, we lived in a small town, Cortez, Colorado. I've been My there. lived up. Yeah, you've been to Cortez. I have. have Listen, it didn't take long, and everybody listens to my podcast, and I get jokes all the time that I bring up the Bull Run bus all the time. And during Bull Run, 
we one of the challenges in Bull Run was in Cortez, Colorado, at the at the speedway there, and uh, uh-huh. we actually went through Cortez, and it was a super super like it's a small town. It's close to Four Corners, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We didn't live there very long, but my friend lived on the dump road. My friend Wendell and we would go and dig stuff out of the dump and take it apart. We take little electric motors out of you know, like some doll that would crawl or something like that, build stuff. So, right. Right. You know, put them in a car and then, you know, that led to mini bikes. And then I lived in Denver and Castle Rock and just, I mean, I, I built a chopper bicycle when I was in fifth grade and, you know, I used to, I remember my dad put my wagon on a piece of plywood and then I could, make different bodies out of like, a, you know, like I'd go to across town on my bike and get like a refrigerator box and cut it all up and make windows out of saran wrap and all that. So, I mean, I've had many bikes and motorcycles and, and so many mechanical things. I, I think I bought my first Vol- Volkswagen. I was about 16. I bought it for 75 bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I learned about how, you know, keep the front axle nuts tighter, the wheel will fall off, things like that. We learned with that one. Oh, yeah. That, that's 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 when you learn quick. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, so I did, I did it for a bunch of years. I worked as a mechanic. I worked as a machinist for about five years. And then finally, uh, I did a bus that I still have. And I went, a bunch of them have come and gone. But I always, I mean, I wanted a fastback since the 80s, right? And... So it's kind of like the Holy Grail. Sure. You know, I, I don't know what it is about it. It's funny because the, the fastback is kind of the black sheep of the family. You know, it gets made fun of on forums. They call it a parts car, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I noticed that. I had a friend of mine when I was growing up, my, my buddy Ed Costello, his girlfriend had one, and he kept calling it the Razorback, you know, because the front end looks a little bit, uh, it, it looks a little bit porky. But and that's yeah. all, all the type threes. But he called it because it was the fastback. He said the, he called it the Razorback. But the the fastbacks, I agree with you. I don't think the fastbacks get enough love because it's kind of the in between. You either love the squarebacks, you love the notchbacks, and I, I think in the hierarchy of type threes, right, it goes notchback, squareback, fastback. I mean, for most people, you know, I mean, ultimately, the gear top of it, right? correct? Yeah. The gear, well, we, yeah, the type thirty four gear, the notchback, the fat, the squareback, and the fastback. And yeah. And starting out, yeah, starting out being being a type three guy is a little different to begin with, right? So this particular project, I mean, <laughs> you've yeah. you've gone all out with this thing. I mean, what made you pick this? Because this is a beautiful black fastback. I mean, this this thing is immaculate. You could eat off this car, and the, and all the mods you've done are mods that look factory, which is kind of some of my favorite things, right? When you mod a car, almost like if you were working for Volkswagen back in the day, and you could raid the parts bin and go over to the nine fourteen side or the nine eleven side and just steal parts and pieces and put them on a fastback is, is kind of what you did with this thing. Um, That's exactly what I did. You yeah. hit it right on the head. And, and, and it's just everything. And what I love about it is everything is original OEM-ish, but it all, yes. it's been modified to fit. So what was your vision when you started with the car? Well, I'd done a few cars, and they'd come and gone, maybe a dozen VWs. And the Fastback was always the one I wanted, and I had this picture in my head. Mm-hmm. And so this one I just... After doing this my whole life, I just jumped in and says, I'm going to do the best one I can. I'm going to build just the best one I can and whatever it costs and whatever it takes, 
um, I'm going to do everything I can without, you know, without being ridiculous or gaudy or anything like that. It just, it was a picture of what I had. And so this particular car, I used to have a job inspecting power lines and I used to go driving around in all kinds of neighborhoods. It was great. Can you imagine being in the South Bay in San Jose in the late nineties going in everybody's backyard, you know, oh, yeah. and, uh, this one sat out in front of Peninsula Automotive, which is a, a shop that's actually still in existence yeah. over in, in in San Jose. And and uh, the original owner had taken it there pretty much after the dealer closed. And it sat there for a couple of years right out in front of the shop, just kind of torturing me because it was a <laughs> you know, 67 sunroof, <laughs> pop-outs black with a red interior you know and now what was black your was it, you know what was your fascination with it had to be a black with red interior car i mean other than the combo is just fantastic combo but i mean was it you know you had to have well, that specific car yeah yeah absolutely you know if 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 you're a friend of mine taught me he says you know if you're going to build a car you know start with the one you really want you know don't don't start with a Le Mans if you want a GTO, you know right. what I mean? Don't, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, that was the one, you know, and, and it was really kind of my downfall in a way because it was the wrong car. It hit rusty and it was in a massive wreck. Uh, the reason it had been sitting at Peninsula automotives for years is because it was like a lost cause. If anybody who knew anything, would know that that's not the car you want. You could look at the gaps and the way that it had been wrecked really badly and then repaired. So in hindsight, I can can kind of pick up what was going on, but I was like, oh, wow, what's that? whose car is that? That's really cool. And everyone's kind of like, that's what you think, you know, kind of, right. yeah, yeah, right? And it was only after I uh, got it and owned it that I realized why everybody was like that because it was in a huge sideswipe and it had been repaired probably back in the 60s because the car had to have been really new to be worth fixing that extensively. Yeah. If the car yeah. was five years old, they wouldn't have. They, they sectioned the whole left side heater channel. Like that's, the, that's the, crazy. The, yeah, the A-pillar where it meets the dashboard had been pushed in and they cut it right below the dash at the A-pillar and then right in the middle of the B pillar and then right above the rear wheel well and sectioned in the left side of a completely different car. Wow. And it was all brazed. And it was about three thirty seconds too far back. <laughs> Just enough to make everything not fit exactly right. Yeah, they fit like a, the door and they fit the left front fender, maybe some of the hood, the frunk, you know? And so, yeah, I fell in love with that thing. And, you know, since it was what it was, you know, kind of the Holy grail of fastbacks, if you will, you know, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I kind of set myself up on that one. I should have started with grandma's cream puff Savannah beige one, you know? Yeah. Um, because in the end, it didn't really matter that it started out as a black car. Well, that's the funny um, part, right? I mean, you go you go so custom, resto custom German look with this thing that it's like, I mean, from the outside, if it had stock wheels on it, it would look pretty close to almost stock. But, you know, you've got the 16-inch Porsche Cup 1s, I think, on there. and Yeah. Uh, 
and it's and it's just a, it's just enough to let you know that it's that it's got some mods done to it. But the crazy part is you've done so much work to this. It's like you could have really started with anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I did. I cut up a couple of parts cars in the process as well. So, uh, at, what, at what point do you find out this damage has happened? Is it on initial teardown, and you're like, I don't care. It's black and red. No, 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 man. It it set me back a a little over a year actually. Oh wow! Because I knew it needed a front clip, so a friend of mine uh, went and bought a front clip from Joel up there and uh, hauled it all the way down in his truck for me from from Washington. And then, you know, I drilled all the spot welds and got the front clip on it. And then I, you know, I got a different, I got different doors, I got a different, uh, you know, front fenders, trunk, everything except the right rear fender got replaced, every panel, because. Not only was it wrecked really bad, but it was also rusty from sitting outside. And it, it, it's also one of those that the, the, the original owner's high school kid had mangled it. So it also was like PO'd. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. The, it had For an sure. alarm system and a stereo and everything had been all hacked into it. And the wiring was all spliced together. And, and A lot you know, of nice like, butt connectors. I like it. Oh, yeah. The, you know, like the gas pedal was all bent from him leaning with it all his weight. You know what I mean? The steering right. column was loose with the dash. It was battered, you know, covered in stickers. And it was just the wrong car. I mean, anything that could have been wrong with it was kind of. And so... Uh, I, I knew one day I was gonna, I was gonna go through it, and and I started researching how to put a fifth gear in it because that's always what I wanted was something that I could grab a fifth gear, and so I started doing homework. Mm-hmm. You know, the obvious selection for most people is usually a Berg Five, right? That, so that, that's what I did in my Type Thirty Four Berg Five speed. Right, right. But looking around a little more. Um, once that bug at five speed, I guess is Martin Bott in Germany does a shifter and a nose cone and the front traverse mount for the Porsche mm-hmm. gearboxes in a Beetle. So you can either do the 901, which is the early five speed for the 911, or you could do the 915 transaxle, which is 73 to 82 or something like that. More widely available. And, well, bigger. The, the 915 transaxle is physically very much larger than the 901. Yeah. It's got a ton of reinforcement ribs on it. The ring gear is bigger. It's just big. And then, you know, and sometimes in Porsches, it's got, you know, three, 400 horsepower going through it too. So rather than, you know, go with a Beetle Trans that was built to take the power, I just decided to go ahead and try and figure out a way of putting the giant five speed in. And the key ingredient in my car that made it all possible and kind of practical was the 912E. So in 76 only. They made 2,099 of them. 2,099 <laughs> of them. And I got one of those transactions, man, you know. And, um, you know, uh, the only reason I was able to really afford it was because uh, the car had been in a fire, first of all. So the thing was covered in, like, burned oil and, and fire extinguisher stuff and then uh, they also dropped it when they took it out so they had it on a lift at the junkyard when they were cutting the car up and and dropped and broke the whole nose coming off the front of the tranny so i think i got it for like a thousand bucks or something like that you know so yeah 
I was going to put a nose cone on it anyway. I, I paid a guy another thousand bucks just to open it up and make sure it was okay. And he did, but he didn't, he didn't really clean it up that well. And the guy didn't even put a gasket set. But he, <laughs> Why? He, it's just a grand, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And you know, well, he was on the clock and he opened it up. He counted all those teeth and looked up the numbers because the, the 912 e had a four banger in it, right? It had the type four motor. So it, it didn't have the same gears as the six cylinder except for the most powerful 911 of that year was the 2.7 RS and it had a close ratio box, right? And so that means it had the exact same gears in it that the 912 E had. So oh, really? it's real common for those transmissions to get uh, rated for their, for their gear sets because it's a close ratio box and somebody who's going to build something for the track wants those tight gears. So you don't always know what you're getting when you get one of those. If you, if you ever could, I don't know. I've ever, ever seen like uh a couple of empty 912e cases for sale like just the trans case sure. but the main difference besides the close ratio gearbox is also it's uh it's a regular uh pull clutch like in a beetle yeah or a 914 the same clutch configuration yeah yeah it's got that same little uh fork and throw out it's got its own of course parts that are unique to that for the throw out the, the clutch fork i had to dig all that up and and then uh it, it, it saves you from having to adopt from a pole clutch, which is the actual 915. So the case is all the same dimensions, but, you know, lucky me, it bolts up to the Type 4 because that's what it came with. So right, right. that was like the key ingredient. Once I got the car, I just kind of got it running and drove it around as a rat. And it was a it was a rat, too. I, I remember I decided a couple times that I was going to go to work, right? I'm like, oh, it's Friday afternoon, man. I'm going to take the fast back, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I go and I get all dressed up. I'm all handsome grandson, you know. I got to go down to the Merrill Lynch building in Carmel and look all pretty and you know, try and be professional. And the car's just dirty. And I, you I go this through the rat trap. <laughs> dude, right? Well, I went through, I decided I was going to take it through the automatic car wash, right? Oh, so I bad just went move. gassed up. <laughs> And like I'd never gone through the automatic car wash with it before, and dude, there was no place to hide from the water coming in. You know what I mean? Like it was coming yeah. in all the door seals, and I I jumped into the back seat, and it got me through the sunroof, and it got me through the where window seals. You know, I was like, the car was full of like an inch of water, and I like, you know, got completely soaking wet. I had to go home and change clothes, and was late and everything. You know. Yeah. I mean. It, it was such a roach. I mean, I remember I used to park kind of, you know, I'm like an IT guy, so I get to show up and park next to the bosses and whatnot. And, you know, like, you know, the guard wouldn't let me in. He's like, hey, buddy, you know, you're not allowed in here. <laughs> Ain't no hippies allowed, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you need to go park in the lot with all the other, all the other trolls, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it was a roach, and I drove it around. And then I find that I found that uh, – I found that uh, that five-speed uh, 912e transaxle. It's called a 923 is the actual number. And uh, it once I had that, then the then the then the plan started kind of coming together. Once I had that that five-speed transaxle, then you know obviously it's going to have a Type Four motor. It's going to need some brakes. It's going to need dropped. It's going to have to be the uh, you know that one that I always wanted, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I started looking at the car about 20 years ago. I bought it about 17 years ago. 
I started collecting parts 15 years ago. I took it clear apart. Uh, and, and, and what makes you go down? What makes you pick a Type 4? <clears throat> uh, well, I, I've built a lot of Beetle motors, and I've built a lot of Type 4s, and, and uh, I just really like the Type 4 a lot better. I, 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 not to bag on Type 1s, because they make a ton of power, but I just have really bad luck with them, man. I don't know what it is. I mean... Well, I'm like Midas with Type 4s. I've had just great luck with them. They don't leak. Uh, they run forever. Uh, they just pull. Torque. Uh, I've got a late late camper bus. I've got a West Valley camper bus, and I've had the – I mean, the motor's been in it for 17 years or something like that, you know? Right, right. Uh, type 1s, I've got an oval that I've built a different Type motor, type 1 motor for it. I've got, I've got three motors for it now because – they never seem to stay in there very long before they're leaking or they're pulling a head stud or the heads are lifting or are some kind of trouble. I don't know. I just have, I just have really bad luck with type ones, man. I don't know. And also the, the type four is kind of, I don't know. They should have put that in the type three, I think. Well, they it did later in the, in the, in the 411 or 412. I mean, that was like the next evolution of that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, they, there was a whole nother car there, you know? Yeah. They missed the mark on the design, but you know, was, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the car they should have built, like you said earlier. You know, if uh, if you'd raid the parts bin, yeah, then you know, that's 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 what I did. So, well, the the, I, the nice thing is when you do the pancake. You know, on, on my Gia, I had a pancake type four. On my new Gia that I will build sooner or later, I I have a two liter type four that I'm going to be using as the builder motor. But they have that 411 plastic bracket that goes right on the fan housing, which is pretty slick that bolts right up to the bellow. Yeah. Actually, we 3D printed an adapter for that. No, did you really? Well, you yes. know, the, you know so, the 411 had one, right? You know the 411, 412 had one. The wagon. Yeah. yeah. The variant had it, but it had those three ears where it attached to the body. Right. There's the plastic adapter for that. Right. Yeah. And then it bolted to the bellows that is the type four bellows. So the type four bellows had three ears where it attached to the body. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, used a regular, like a big long hose clamp to clamp to the plastic part that attaches to the fan shroud. But you either have to weld those three, you know, bolts for those three ears to your car, which is what some people have done. What, or you can take the, type three bellows and cut some slits in it and say like rivet it together and then clamp it on. Right. Well, what I did is just went ahead and uh, a guy, Jason in, in Canada, 3d printed it up for me, designed it all in CAD. And then, you know, I had it printed in something that's uh, hopefully will handle the heat right above the exhaust there. And uh, yeah, it just uses regular type three bellows. So I'll, I'll get you a copy of that file. If you want one of those, it's nice to, yeah. Print up an adapter so you don't have to cut the car body, you know? Well, you know, that's the great thing about the VW community, too. Like, when you get online, you start doing this stuff, and some guy's like, hey, man, I'm a CAD designer. I can make the thing for you and then send it to you. You know what I mean? Like, the, the community's always been super cool like that where people, people, you know, especially when you go online because I think, you know, going on the Samba and having a 200-page build thread, you always get, like, trolls jump in, and it's just, like, just, just – I don't know, people are in their underwear in front of the computer upset that they can't build anything or don't have a skill set, and then they start lashing out. 
and to keep a thread going for so long. I mean, I remember last time I started a thread on the Samba, I started a thread and some guy gets on there and I'm just like, why do I even care what anybody thinks? You know what I mean? But the people that you connect with through building your car, the people that really appreciate what you're doing, I mean, those are the people that that I'll call you up and say, like, hey, man, I can design that for you and send you the file. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's just so great about the community. Oh, I can't even say enough. I mean, some of my best friends I met on Samba, really. Yeah. I mean, you mean someone else is crazy and like, you know, and then my wife finally knows maybe I'm not the only one, you know? Right. There's like, other weirdos out there. there yeah. There's <laughs> people that spend, you know, thousands of dollars on an old car, you know? But, um, yeah, I can't even say enough. I mean, the, the the if you ever follow my thread on the Samba, I mean, the, the number of, of gifts that people have given me. I mean, you know, some people sent me shirts. A guy sent me a whole box of, of uh, stainless tubing to build a header for the big motor I'm going to build for it one day. I mean, interior trim parts. God, the car fell off the jack when I was monkeying around and ruined the rear apron. A guy in Sweden, you know, sold me a rear apron in NOS for cheap. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't, I couldn't even thank everyone. There are so many people that have contributed to this that, I mean, if you were going to write a magazine article, it would just be the whole <laughs> five pages would all be thanks to, and it would be a list of names, you know? Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had a friend of mine call me, uh, my my buddy called me and said, "Hey man, I saw in your back in the back picture of your garage when you posted something up, there you got a, a seat trim piece for the for the nine uh, for the uh, Type Thirty Four. I'm looking for one of those, man. Uh, what do you want to sell it for?" And then I just boxed it up and shipped it to him. Like here, bro, just yeah. like I just got it. Like it's I'd rather give yeah. it. I'd rather rather than sell it. Like we're so weird. Absolutely. You know, people are so weird. It's like we keep things because like I don't want to throw it away. It's worth. $50, but it's like, I'd rather give it to someone that needs it than sell it. Yes, absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Selling's just kind of icky in general. That's not like what it's about. And it's funny if you mention that because I was just up in the attic today, right? In order to build my car, like I said, I cut up a couple parts cars. I've been trying to get, you know, I'll get a part. It's not quite up to standard, you know, in, in this particular car. I had to just try and find, you know, the best stuff I could, you know, I, I, I if, if, if the Chrome pit had to go to the Cromer, you know, I finally found a dash pad, you know, um, the attic was all full of stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, I was, could have tried to put a lot together to sell on Craigslist or Thumb or something, but no, I'm just going to leave it up there. And one at a time, if ever anybody needs something, you know, yeah, that's what it's for. I, I'll have to empty that whole attic out to pay back to people that helped me on this car. Man. Well, you know, I, I did, I, I had, uh, I was at the swap meet, the Pomona swap meet one time and a guy's there and he's got just obsessive 67 stuff. Like, and I'm going through what reminded me of this, I'm going through your thread on the Samba right now. And I mm -hmm. saw that you have like four sets of armrests. And yeah. two of these and five. And this guy did the same thing building a 67 bug. And when he was done building his car, he went to the Pomona swap meet and sold all of his seconds and thirds and stuff that didn't make the cut because they're all yeah. one year only stuff. And he was just, you right. know, but that, that's the thing. I mean, that's the level of obsession that you went through. And, and it clearly shows in the passion and the commitment you have to this project, because first it's a fastback second, you're going way over the top on it, but it's like, there's this this level of passion you have for this car 
that's just like you're determined to see this vision through to the end. You know, and 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 you're, you, I don't think you picked an easy road on any level, whether it's engine, tranny, brakes, nothing. You know what I mean? I haven't seen anything, and so I, I was I was excited to see the car, and and it really t- you can see the detail in what you do and you guys get a chance to see this car hopefully you'll bring it uh down south one of the southern california shows maybe this year or you might bring it out to vegas you know for the uh, one crazy weekend in september 24th but uh I, i'd love to see this car in the streets um you know and, and it's gonna it's gonna get driven man you know i don't what? know how many more shows i'm gonna go to because it's gonna get it's gonna get rained on you know <laughs> no that's and that and that's the fun part so now let's go so you built you did the 914 you did the i'm sorry the 912 e tranny and then after yeah. so that like sets in motion like well i went this deep on the transaxle so like i'm not skimping on anything else so you convert the car to irs you yep. do the mods for the transaxle now what's your selection for motor and why well type four obviously because i i like them but with this particular motor that was in the car, I had already gone in so deep with everything else. And I decided to go ahead and try and follow a plan that I'd always done when I build cars that I'm keeping. And that's first I build a motor with heater boxes. Right. And you, and when you build a motor around heater boxes, then that, that sets a lot of limits on what you can do. Like it's say in the type one, it's a stock valve 35 by 32, right? You don't put, yeah. 35 exhaust valve if you're only going to do a one and three eighths exhaust so in the case of this motor that i built i fabricated some heater boxes actually out of uh, a combination of different parts uh from 411 412 and 72 to 74 bus heater boxes i cut them all up for different pieces to fab those up and then that led me to uh pretty much stock displacement i just left a stock crank in it because type fours have a real strong crank you don't necessarily need to counterweight it right rods are stock but they got the uh arp bolts in them everything's balanced the uh, pistons and cylinders are just aa 96s the heads are the 1.8 s heads um which are the next one right below the two liter 914 right they're 41 by 35 right yeah and why i built it good and on and on and on the s heads like 1.8 s heads obviously the 914 guys are snatching those up did you just junkyard find these heads or did you do some hunting to get these heads oh i've been hoarding type 4 parts for 20 years <laughs> man the like i said I used, follow, I used to follow the power lines into everybody's backyard in all of san jose man i've been in every backyard and <laughs> Los Gatos and, uh, you know, uh, Sunnyvale. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I've had dozens of Type 4s. Um, you used to be able to get them for free or uh, uh, next to free. 50 bucks, you know. Uh, I would just – I've had so many of them that I ended up just – I don't know. They all just went away or I gave them away or I threw them away. I, I don't know. I have about – I have about half a dozen of them left, you know. Of the set, all one one eight one point eight S heads. No, 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 just Type Four, complete yeah. Type Four motors, you know. So you go with the one point eight the the one point eight S heads. You go with the ninety six millimeter pistons. Uh, yeah. You go with the the stock stroke crank, heavy duty yeah. rod bolts. Uh, what's yeah. your What's your cam chat? Your camshaft choice. 
Well, that changed in the middle of the build. I was running a Web 494, uh-huh. which uh, was kind of the logical choice, really, because it's it's about the middle of what people do with the 2056, especially if you don't put serious heads on it. Right. But then knowing what I do and thinking about it some more, I changed my mind and went with a 16386B. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, it's a dual pattern cam. Uh, the 163 is the is the profile on the intake lobe, and then the 86B is the uh, exhaust. And oddly enough, I have a couple different motors in my uh, oval. The heater box motor is a 1776, and it's got a 163 in it. And then I have a, a two liter with a 86B. And so, uh, a couple of cams that I really like the web cams and. and uh, a dual pattern cam makes a lot of sense for a Type 4 because the exhaust doesn't flow that well, right? Yeah. So uh, I like bus motors and whatnot. The uh, getting the heat and everything on out the exhaust is a is a is a plus. So, so you go with the twenty fifty six. Now, do you what? Building your 2056, what kind of extras do you do for longevity? I mean, you do any of the cool, you do any of the coatings or uh, any of that type of stuff? Do you do, do you, now the heads you sent out had all new valves put in, did a valve job on yeah. the heads? And- yeah, so I have a really good friend of mine, man. The guy's name's Jim Musich, and he is a old school uh, machinist that's been a good friend of mine for a long time now, and he has built thousands of these motors. So, uh, he technically doesn't do high-performance stuff, but he'll do open-ups and really nice valve jobs. And so uh, with his help to actually do the hard part of rebuilding the heads, you know, I I, I match the manifolds. I, I clean up some flash on the chambers. I uh, open up a little bit around under the uh, – not under the seat, but what they call the bowl area right, right. under the seat. Uh, I'll lay back the chambers a little bit, especially since I'm looking at the at the CCs of the head. So the heads are still stock valve sizes, but they're uh, eight millimeter stem on the exhaust instead of nine, like they were from the factory, right? Uh, to open up a little flow there more. Since I'm running heater boxes, it wasn't as important for me to run the two liter nine fourteen heads. I got three or four sets of those sitting around, but. Uh, I just kind of wanted to put this combo together and see how it did really. And so, uh, with the type four, I always do the heavy studs, you know, the, the rocker shafts, uh, you have that funny size stud. It's like a seven or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take those over to the better studs. Then you use the one point, the one point seven rockers that take swivel feet, right? The Porsche swivel feet. Yeah. Uh, then you do the spacers and you sand them down to get, you know, a thou or two clearance on it. So in this particular setup, I'm running a set of beehives. I got them at aircool.net. A guy named Dan Ruddock sells those. They're like an LS spring, you know? Yeah. And uh, the 86B is right at the max lift. I mean, the, I can't remember the number off my head, but that particular cam lifting on a 1.3 rocker is absolute the limit of what, the beehives will take an 86B. So I actually sent them to Dan Ruddock to have him sink the valve job on it or to make room for. Oh, nice. So I'm running super thin shims. So it's a pretty mild motor, but I, you know, I went super anal with the detail and man, man, push rods. Now, 
you know, just a careful build. Now, in the thread, are you running DCNFs on it right now? Yes. Okay, so, uh, so it's got DCNFs on it for, for carburation. You did the you, you did custom heater boxes. 44. For, so you got 44, 44. DCNFs, of course. Can't yeah. do the 42s. Everybody's got 42s. 44 is a little more yeah. rare. Um, yeah. So you did the 44 DCNFs on there. Now, I saw you mm-hmm. ran uh, – are you running a cable-style linkage on there? No, it's it's uh, linkage rods. It's kind of an odd one that I found. I don't know where it came from, but I had to build the rods. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had a bunch of parts laser cut to build the linkage that's at the carbs. So it's, yeah, the center section store-bought, but everything else out of there, I, I built it all. Yeah, it looked like in the, in the thread that I was going through, it looked like you were doing like a like a a dual sync type uh, throttle throttle control setup on there, but it may have just been a mock up of a picture that you had on there. Uh, yeah, no, it's kind of like the CSP linkage. It's they both push. It's right. not a push pull. Yeah, it's both push. So so you got the forty fours on there. You got so it's 20, uh, 20 fifty six. And did you dyno the motor when it was all said and done? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't even uh, broken it in yet. I mean, I ran it on my, I have a run stand. I ran it in, made sure it didn't leak and, and then, you know, set the carbs up and the timing and everything and got it ready to go in. And then it's, God, I don't know. It's only been around the block a few times now. Um, and when I saw it, that was the first time I was at a show up in Sacramento. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's still, uh, I mean, we just were, finished putting it together it still had fingerprints on it and stuff from assembling it it's it's not done yet uh it started and ran but uh yeah it needs a tune it needs alignment i mean you can um, you can tell anybody that sees this car can tell that you you've got you've completely went over the top on just the cleanliness of this of this build and the detail and like the little tiny things the little tiny mods that nobody will barely notice that you did you know these little tiny things you did here and there um i i love the car i love the stance on it and i wanted to touch base with you about you, you know on your thread you talk about burt's spindles now i must be under a rock or haven't been on the psalm in a while talk to me about the what are the burt's spindles what are those specifically well like i said i once I got the tranny and the car, I both, I, you know, I knew I was going to have to build this, this German looker, right? And, and in the early 2000s, that was really the thing, right? And right. So um, once a couple of things happened at the same time, first, the bug at five speed stuff came out, the nose cone and the shifter and all that. And uh, uh, God, another good friend, right? This guy, Carl, gives me a Hazet Tourist toolbox. He's like, yeah, my... My mom, you know, a little spare tire around Hazet toolkit that everyone likes for early videos. He just gave it to me. And I'm like, Carl, this is a really expensive gift. You can't just give it to me. He's like, no, my, my grandma got it at a yard sale for two bucks. Just take it. And I'm like, that's rad. Dude, I hope I did some homework, dude. It was like 1952. It was the 356 Porsche 950. I, I mean, I sold it. I'm like, Carl, dude, I, I sold it for like 1200 bucks, you know, here. He's like, no, 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 just just buy yourself something really nice. And so I bought the bug at five-speed nose cone, the Traverse, and the shifter, the whole kit to put that big five-speed in the car. And that, right? com- that comes out of Europe? Yeah, that's out of, I think, Germany, right? Yeah, these guys uh, in Germany, when, when I built my bus back in the day doing the Type 4, I, w- I had to get an Onendorp exhaust set up because you couldn't get one here in the States, yeah. you know what I mean? 
And yeah. uh, it just seems like in Germany, man, they've got all the stuff to mod Type 4s and do the Type 4 conversions and all this kind of stuff. And Yeah. Uh, I, I just and then I never understood the why with the, it doesn't catch yeah. on here, you know. But go ahead about spindles. Yeah, so that was kind of a, an idea that was tossed around on the forums. And uh, Bert, as a pretty serious enthusiast in Belgium, got a lot of type. He built a completely NOS Type 3. I don't know if you've seen that on the Sonder. But um, all that NOS parts, body panels and everything, right? So he's a nut. He's worse than I am, I'd say. But uh, uh, he decided to go ahead and machine some spindles. And so, you know, some CAD files were passed around. Different people had their input. It kind of went around the forums. And then he decided to do a run of 50 and he had kind of crowdfunded it or whatever you call it, group buy. And so I had to send a bunch of money to him on the hope that he was telling the truth, you know? Now, what, so, what makes these spindles different? Like, what's the makeup of these spindles that makes them, I mean, are they a, are they a machine custom lowered spindle? I mean, what's the deal? Well, the Type 3 uses a completely different spindle than a Beetle or a Bus. Right. And so, uh, really, the only way if you want to drop spindle is going gonna, is gonna to be uh, having them welded. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell at Old Speed does those, and it's it's a good way to go. But Bert wanted to just take it that next level and have them completely machined out of fill it. So it's two pieces. The spindle itself is machined out of a whole solid hunk of steel, and then you know the actual spindle part that uh, you know the wheel turns on is all pressed in. So it's actually two piece, but that's similar to a lot of them that are made that way. So sure. Yeah, he just made a completely billet spindle. If you see it side by side, it's not a forging. It's not cast. It's whittled out of a giant block of steel. No, I saw I saw that, and I thought it was pretty rad. So it's a lowered spindle with, what, a two-inch or two-and-a-half-inch drop or what? Yeah, I think it's a two-inch drop. And uh, he did a run of 50 of them, and then I think he did another run of 50. But I think he had them all pre-sold before he ever did it. So, And what what's, so a anyhow, set of, what's a set of spindles like that run? If you if I want to buy some Burt spindles for my Type 34 coming up, what's a set run? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to find someone who got a hold of the first hundred, and that's the only ones that exist. Um, I'm pretty sure they were all sold as soon as they were made. It was kind of a pet project of his. I don't think they're really for sale. I mean, you might ask him, but yeah. as there was only ever a hundred of them, as far as I know, and they all went on cars. But. And the whole, the advantage of getting those is you don't add any track width. Right, okay. right, and I could see them being stronger maybe than ones that were welded, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, the, the, the factory spindles are forged, you know. So. Right, and so you did you did the birch spindles. Now, what what do you choose for brakes? Well, and that was a different uh, ideas were tossed around. I wanted to do some, you know, German look has to have some kind of Porsche Brembos, right? Right, right. but uh, mine was around. Uh, 19, it was the 944 Turbo, right? The four-piston Brembo's. But I, I, I kind of resisted going against the bigger, the Boxster brakes, the monoblocks, the six-pistons, all that kind of stuff. Because uh, even though they're four-piston Brembo's, they're not that big. They're the ones that are that are kind of more an appropriate size for the rest of the car. You know, I always thought it looked kind of funny when you put these giant, giant brakes on those. So, yeah, they're, it's from a 1992 S2 which was the 944 turbo or the 968 for all intents and purposes. They're the, they were black originally. So nice. 
in order to do that, then I took my Burt spindles and I sent them to uh, Lanner at VW Engineering in Canada. And he, mine was the first set of those he did. He had to, uh, the, you know, the arm bolts to him. He made some spacers. I bought some of his Super Duty tie rods. They had to be a little shorter. You know, a few little different things had to take place for him to figure out how to do that. But he made me some really nice adapter brackets that put the uh, 944T Brembo caliper on the bird spin. Yeah, no, Lanner's a podcast alumni, and he's uh, he did he helped me do the 944 turbo brakes that are on my crew cab. So yeah, those uh, and those. What's crazy about those brakes is those brakes stop like nobody's business, man. I mean, they are they are not kidding yeah. around with those brakes. So uh, I, I'm pretty stoked. I was shocked when I got them. You know, I was thinking like uh, you know, it started with just the calipers. I had just the calipers, right? So I get the calipers. I'm like, oh, what are these for? I look up the part number 944 turbo. I'm like, all right, cool. Just, I, I did 944 on the bull run bus. I'll do the 944 turbos on the carbon cab. And then I get them yeah. and I'm like, oh wow, these rotors, I order the rotors online. They're like an inch and an eighth thick. And I'm yeah. like, holy crap. These are freaking monster yeah. rotors, man. Like, but yeah, you know, I mean, they're heavy, they're huge, but in the same respect, I mean, they're beefy, man. That's a serious set of brakes. Yeah. I can't wait to get them hot, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what they're for, right? So I can't wait to you know, get some heat in the tires and actually drive the car, you know? Yeah. I got to get it aligned. I got to get it right. I got to get it tuned, you know, before I go tear it all up. Yeah. Know? No, that's rad. And so but, you, you go with the 944 turbo brakes. Um, yeah. Which, you know, those are – you re, you rework all those and do everything, customize them as much as you can uh, yeah. and, and get them all tricked out to match – uh, match this yeah. this fasty and so what makes you pick the wheels you picked um i i don't know i just kind of liked them and and they were different than you always see uh the they got to be at least 16 inches to clear those brakes <laughs> right <laughs> 15s don't fit I and then cut it. <laughs> yeah I, I, there's a there's a set of fooks that go on the 944 turbo that are 16 inches uh, there's 16 by eight in the rear and 16 by seven in the front. I can't remember. There's a code for them. Right. But th they're different than the 16s that were on like the 911 SC. Right. They've got a little more. They got like a kind of a rim and a dish on them. Yeah, um, the SC had sixes and sevens. Right. So and and so um, yeah, those 9442, 944T. Uh, Fuchs are pretty cool. They, you know, I, and that was almost the way I went. But then I got the idea that I could get the cup ones and then put a different detail on them. They always come painted silver with a really thick coat of silver paint on them. And so I decided I wanted to smooth the centers and polish the rim to give it a, a different look, you know, just because everyone's got Fuchs these days, right? So that was a lot of work, man. That I had no idea what I was getting into because that that paint or powder coat or primer or whatever it is is put on super thick. I don't know what kind of chemical it is. By the time I, I started trying to strip it with chemicals and then it started kind of the, 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 the material's porous and so it started off gassing and then I was worried <laughs> it was going to ruin any paint that I put on there. So then I took it to one of those guys that has a big truck mounted sandblaster yeah and got all the 
all the paint and everything off of it. But then it was such a long way to polish them. They're, the rims to polish those rims there's a there's a metal polisher guy ian who's just down the street here man what a hero because he had those wheels for over a year and he hated me he's this old english guy and he should have retired years ago and he's like oh you get out of here i don't want to see you go piss off you know and i'm like oh ian i brought you lunch you know it's just like piss off and he shuts the door he just hated me and he finally dug in there and polished those rims all four of them all the way around and then uh, that all had to be masked off to very carefully do the body work to get the center smooth and then painted and, and uh, cleared and, and everything so another tricky thing with the wheels was in the rear of the car those so the, the wheels in the front are sixes so the front wheels are from a 964, which is like a, you know, a 911, about 1992, 94, something like that. Right. And the rears are from uh, no. 968, right? So they're a little and bit And then those, those were eights. Yeah, those were eights. And I, 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 I didn't want to run a really narrow tire, you know, and, uh, and, and stretch the tire on it. So I went ahead and had the wheels narrow. So I found a guy over in San Jose had a giant lathe, and they chucked him up and cut an inch out of him. And then uh, another guy here in town welded them back together for me and trued them up. And uh, so the rear wheels had to be narrowed an inch, and then that way they, they, they dish a little. But then they were still poking too far, so I had the trailing arms narrowed. And since I was also going to drop the rear, I went ahead and had uh, Russell at Old Speed do me a set of uh, one-inch narrow, two-inch drop arms. <laughs> Why not? Why? You're, yeah, this well, deep. You're this deep. What does it matter now? Yeah, short axles, uh, type 4 CVs, right? The 944 stubs, right? And then uh, when I got the arms back, I realized that Russell didn't put stops on. It just isn't a consideration when he builds those. So I, I got some uh, stop brackets from uh, an early bus, you know, and then cut those all up to manage make some stops. And then I had to, I had to tunnel through the middle of the trailing arm to put the e-brake into place. So, and I decided to gusset them and powder coat them and detail them and everything like that too when I did it. So yeah, the, the trailing arms on the car have a whole. Uh, story into themselves as well but yeah you know it all kind of it all it all it all works good you know it, it's it's low without too much camber and and uh well that's the thing you know work okay. i mean simple things like with me with with all with both my buses i'm running i the easy way out for everybody is to run sevens all the way around when you run a late model porsche wheel I don't like that. Yeah. I like a seven and an eight and a half. Like that's that's what I run on my twists on my cars because I like a fat meaty tire in the back and I want it to look like it's ready to stop something. And with the crew cab that I have, yeah. I, I had to narrow the torsion housings three quarters of an inch on each side. And then, you know, with with my bus, with my uh, my bull run bus, I never even narrowed them. It was just a whole ordeal to get the tire on and off the car. You know, I had to wrap a t shirt around the rotor and kind of walk it in there and. Uh, but oh, it, yeah. it, it looks yeah, so much just... better when you're looking at the body line and the face of that wheel is almost flush with it. You know what I mean? There's just a, yeah. there's just a certain look where it looks like it was built that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was exactly what I was shooting for. You hit it right on the head there. And uh, the Type 3 is, again, it's kind of, there's more room on a bus, but, you know, there's like less room on a Gia, right? A Gia is really hard to get white wheels on. So, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was fun. I'm glad it all ended up working out in the end. There was a lot of mock-ups. I mean, I don't know. I probably had the body on and off the pan maybe six times, eight times, something like that, in order to make all that stuff work. You know? Yeah, that's for sure. It's without question a, a huge labor of love. Uh, I mean, it's like there's there's so much. And we're just going over the general stuff, not to mention the amount of detail you put into little, literally every nook and cranny you know, of this car with, you know, I, I was like, man, this guy messed out on this whole car. Like everything <laughs> on this car is like, but it was, it was this, you know, the, the, the thing that's, that's that you can tell from this car without fail is like your obsession with building the ultimate fastback, you know? And, and I think it's so understated until you start looking at the car, then you can really see the level of commitment you did. Now, I know the interior was quite a bit of a, a challenge for you, right? Because, I mean, there's some things, some of those guys aren't familiar with Type 3s. What are some of the challenges when you're restoring a Type 3 and doing it, looking to do an interior? Well, the, the, the biggest challenge with a Type 3 is the, the, the dash pad. The right. reproductions aren't. Well, first of all, they're not an early dash pad. There's an early and a late, right? So the early dash pads, they don't repop them. And so what you get is what you get. You know, there's no new ones. And then the sun kills them all. So the one that I got originally came from, I want to say, Norway. And it, and it ended up uh, in possession of one of those type three parts hoarders by the name of Martin down in L.A. Yeah. And so I can remember the kids were little and we're going to Legoland and, and my wife's like, where are you going? Oh, I got to meet a guy. Right. And then, you know, we got traffic. It's like, where are you going? We're supposed to be going to Legoland. Right. And then I took a side turn off through LA hell traffic and then I'm calling him and he, he like trucked clear out to like the 405 and met me on the side of the road. And I gave him like a, an absurd stack of hundred dollar bills for this dash pad and, Oh, bless my wife. You know, that's just the story of the dash pad. I, I could go on and on. The, another thing that happened is the TMI doesn't make the the, the, the pattern for the heat seams correctly on the right. door panels or on the seats, right? The seats, they have the heat seaming like the earlier seats, so it only had seven instead of nine. And right. so right. a couple different people that don't even work there anymore had worked on it over a matter of four or five years, but... I sent in my original seats and they reproduced them. I sent in my original door panels and they, they made up a heat seaming die and, and, and made all the correct little details on the seams of the door panels. I don't, I don't think anyone else who's ever ordered from TMI since then ever asked for the correct heat seams or anything. Nobody, nobody cares about that. They just, they just they were want, like, you know, some oh, nice new door panels. A new interior. Great. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It'll be clean and shiny, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, what color? Yeah. So, yeah, it's the only new, correct, uh, 67 interior that's been made in the last 50 years or so, as far as I know. Yeah. And so when you called TMI, they were more than happy just to oblige with uh, with doing that for you? I mean, what? Oh, uh, no, there was a, a, a guy that worked there for a while, uh, Mario who had a fastback and was super into it. And then he was instrumental 
in uh, 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 kids making noise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so listen, that's part of that's part of the thing, like right. That's his revenge. Like Legoland got delayed because Daddy needed a dash pad. But I think right. we, I, I think we've all been there. Like your wife's like, what do you do? I was on vacation with my family one time, and I'm on Craigslist, <laughs> and I happen to find a cutaway motor, and it's in Kingsburg, oh. California. And so I'm just like, ah, hey, you know what? Hey, my wife's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm just gonna run down the street. It's like 45 minutes away from where I was in Clovis, and I'm at the in-laws' <laughs> house and stuff. So it's a hundred bucks for a cut for a cutaway engine. I couldn't leave it there, right? So I'm like, I call uh, this guy up. I jam over there to get it. It's covered in spider webs, all stuff. I wrap it in a blue tarp and I put it on top of the Tahoe or the Denali, and I head <laughs> I head back. And my wife's like, what is that huge thing on top of the car? I'm like, ah, oh, it's just this this engine thing, whatever. She's like, why is it on top of the car? I'm like, because it's got spiders all over it. But it's like, yeah. you know, our the women in our life, our lives. I mean, you know, God bless them because they, you know, they put up with so much, you know, a detour to Legoland and 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 all this yeah. kind of stuff. But it's like, I think that's that that's part of like the hardcore VW guy that's willing to do kind of the ridiculous and the dumb just to get his project where it needs to be. You know, and ridiculous and dumb to 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 the outsiders, but to us, man, like we get it. We get that level of commitment, like finding an NOS yeah. dash pad. Like how many NOS, da- if you want an NOS dash pad right now, you're going to find one? No. You know what I'm saying? I got the last one on earth like 10 years ago. That's crazy. You know, cra- you know it, and it's crazy. Not perfect one. You'll get some with some cracks in it, but, you know, I already had one with cracking, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of lucky that I, I, I did it when I did because a lot of like uh, – treasure troves showed up there's a dealer in the philippines what is it johanna jaime or something like that right harvested everything from the manila vw dealership and saved it all there was a clover racing parts in spain i got nos like 67 only window cranks there uh bert in belgium you know another source of nos stuff you know 67 only fastback only rearview mirror nos i found some nos door sills in france uh the the like front suspension stops came from turkey uh <laughs> the rear apron came from sweden you know uh the center of the car linkage came from england uh it was a 15 year uh, worldwide nos part search that those parts are all now in either on a car like my parts now or in the possession of some hoarder who's never going to sell them and until his, you know, wife tosses it on the curb after he dies. Uh, yeah, know? and it's crazy part. I can't ever understand the uh, the whole like hoarding thing. I can understand buying it and reselling it and making some money. I can understand that aspect, right? That that people do, but I can never really understand like the buying just to have it and then not sell it or not need it. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the parts to go on a car, man. You know, and yeah, that's I mean, that was really cool that so many people contributed i think when they saw somebody that was like well first of all i didn't i'm not asking what it costs man you know what i mean like i said i was going to build the best car i can and and lucky for me nobody really gouged me i don't know i think i paid 800 bucks for those nos door sills or something like that i mean i took it in the shorts a couple times but well, where are you going to get? You know, people contributed. You know, they were willing to sell me that treasure from their hoard because they saw where it was going. Yeah, I think so, that has a lot to do with when we're when we're getting rid of stuff and we're uh, and we're and we're selling things. It's like 
like I said, the, where it's going to go makes a big difference. You know, I've got an NOS uh, Type 34 Gia Speedo for a uh, 65 Type 34 that I got yeah. when I bought my first car. And it's like, I put it on the Somme one time for sale and, you know, just asked a couple hundred bucks for it, something like that. Never came out. And then I just never put it back on there because I was like, yeah, whatever. But sooner or later, sometime, some way, somehow, someone's going to need that NOS Speedo. But, yeah, uh, and you're going to be the hero all time. Yeah, and I'll be like, like, here, I'll sell it to you. But I've done that a couple times where I've just sold people stuff for like cheaper than what it would normally sell for, just to make sure that they get it. But they, you, you, you've got to give. They've got to commit to the code, right? You got to say, I'm only selling this to you. Like I don't need to sell this, and I don't need the money. I'm only selling it to yeah. you because you're going to put it on this car. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's kind of a code there, um, right? But, right, and you're going to finish the car. You're going to follow through, or like you're, or you'll you'll give up and sell it to someone who's going to follow through, or whatever. Like you know that that part might have been around longer than than you are, or you know what I mean, longer than it's older than me, and you know it's it's something, right? So no, hundred percent. So um, now, in respect to the 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 paint and body work, who did the paint and body work on the car? Well. You know, I should back up a little bit. The the car itself, like I did pretty much everything. I built the motor. I uh, I went through the transaxle. I did a lot of the fab work. Like I had to modify the subframe a lot, you know, in order to get the Type Three has like a rubber mounted subframe. Right, it's different than a Beetle, so all that had to be fab. So I did. I did all that work, but then I had people help me with the finish work. And then the majority of like the body work ended up actually being fabrication because the car was wrecked so badly. And so as a result of all the different things that we ended up having to do, like I, I think I had seven doors before I finally had two of them that were that were straight and right. One of them was an NOS one I got in LA, but I had to modify it because it had the wrong handle. You know, uh, say a 68 door instead of a 67. I didn't right. even notice it till it was too late, right? <laughs> so I started in trying to do it myself. I've painted a couple of cars, but not that well. Uh, one of the heroes in my story is my friend Dave, who lived here for a summer and helped me with my car continually. Um, we gave it the best shot we could trying to hammer and dolly. Dave's better with hammer and dolly than I am. I bought a shrinking disc. We went to town on it and it just, it wasn't going to be good enough to paint black. Yeah. And so I got it all to where I thought it would be. I dropped about five grand on the DuPont Exalta products and everything. That's just the materials to paint the car. Yeah. Yeah. About five grand for all the materials. And then I took it to this guy, Larry, who was a, old hat here in town for a long time in a body shop down the street and uh yeah he had that thing for two years and it cost me about 11.5 and i finally got it back he's like oh your car's done and he you know he quoted it like eight and a half my wife wanted a low bidder and oh man we went looking for a bargain and we found one you know dang the car came back after two years uh 15 grand or something like that and uh, you know, I put it in the garage and it was like, you know, nothing we can do now. That money's spent. He spent right. it. It's not like you get a refund or right. something. And, 
you know, I'm kind of going through the stages of grief, you know, I'm like denial, <laughs> you know, anger, and finally acceptance. But, you know, acceptance never had. And so my friend Carl, the guy who gave me the haze at tour, tour, tourism. Right. Kit, toolkit. He, he came by and he was looking at it and he was commiserating with me. And he goes, you know, uh, a friend of his who uh, works with him uh, is this guy who's a body man. And he's really good. And you should have him come by and look at the car. This guy's name is Wences, and he's a really mellow guy. And he's, dude, he might be the top hero in this story. There's so many, but he came by, and he's a really zen kind of guy. Man, he's really mellow, and he just came by. He's from El Salvador, and I didn't even know if he really spoke the language or what, because he didn't like say anything. And I asked him a couple questions, and he didn't really say much. You know, and I'm looking like a fool because, yeah, it's, English is fine. He's just really, he's like a real Buddha, man, you know. And he's like, <laughs> just kind of like, I can fix this. And and he's like, I'll be back, you know, he may, weekend after next or something. So he's like, you know, get it around back and get all the panels off and, and, and set it all up. You know, he looked at my supplies. He looked at what kind of tools I had. And he showed up like a couple weekends later. And, uh you know, I don't know. I was going to pay him, I don't know, a hundred bucks an hour or something like that. Right. right. It's like, whatever, you know? And so he's like, you know, looking through my toolbox and he put one of those big twisted knot wheels on a grinder. Right. Walked over to one of the rear fenders, you know, and just started wailing away, oh, just no. taking all that oh, shiny, no. <laughs> wheeling it all the way down. You know what I mean? I was like, Whoa, you know, heads all <laughs> swinging. And he just took the grinder right to this shiny black paint. No going you know, back 15. now. $15,000 paint job just turned into dust in the backyard right there. You know? <sighs> and, oh, damn, it was a battle, right? And he was like, you know, he'd work all weekend, really go. And I'm like, okay, well, if this is what we're doing, I can do that, right? i pay you 100 bucks to run a grinding wheel or whatever. But, you know, spent a couple grand on him, you know, over a couple weekends. And, and we had a long way to go. But uh, all the metal wasn't straight, man. You know, you got to get it back to bare metal again. And so he... He he was most with a lot of help from me. He we got it all back to bare metal and and he started doing all that old school magic like you hear about, you know, the the little rosebud torch and wet rag and and, and shrinking disc and waffle head and, and like I had warped those rear fenders so bad because I put late vents in the late type three vents face forward right. and the early ones face back and so it's like it it's should scoop more cooling air. So I cut the entire section out of a late square and welded those in and warped those rear fenders so bad because I'm not the best welder, right? <laughs> a little, so, little, little too much heat. Yeah, like another one of my friends, this guy William, come by so many weekends now. He's given me like years of weekends, you know? Like he's been coming by for six years on most of these weekends to help me with his car. It's insane. Him and Wences are building these kind of wooden bucks and he's – He's got this big chisel and a giant hammer, and he's putting the seam back in the fenders. It was just crazy, and he metalworked all that stuff to where it's sitting there in bare metal, and it's straight, and it's flat. You know, the the gaps are all right, and everything was, was where you could feel it with your hand, and it was straight, and it was metal. So he – and then the other thing that happened is he quit asking me for money. You know, I had a couple grand in him, and then I was like, "Why well, I pay you?" He's just like, "No," you know. Now and, this is this is now personal. 
Well, yeah. And he says, he, I asked him, like, why did, you know, I had this budgeted. I arranged with the controller here. She was willing to pay for, for all of it. And he's just like, no. So we, we eventually rented a booth. And that was an adventure because the only booth they would rent us was just this dirty thing. I looked everywhere, and anybody who takes pride in their booth isn't just going to rent it to some strokes who want to shoot, you know? Sure. At least not in Santa Cruz here. You know, and I tried to get a couple of these really high-end booths and begged and tried to get the money at them because, you know, this guy Wences is a real artist, man. I mean, I've I've seen some cars painted, and I've worked with some body men, and I've seen some people do stuff, but... You know, he did it for 17 years, you know, and uh, wow, uh, we rented this booth. I had, to, you know, I had to get all the lights working. I had to replace all the filters. Uh, the fan wouldn't work. It was completely filthy because they were like rebuilding truck engines in it. You know what I mean? Like I had days and days of rehabbing this paint booth so we could go ahead and, and get it working. And then, uh, you know, uh, the guy rented the booth to us telling us we could uh, – you know, work evenings and weekends. And then, you know, as soon as we started trying to do that, I said, oh, well, my wife says the insurance company won't let us do that. You know, after I completely rehabbed the guy's booth, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, it took weeks. Another guy, Tim Cash, he's another Samba guy, uh, came and helped do ground crew for that whole paint job, you know. And we reshot the whole thing, man. And uh, we battled fish eyes and we battled – dust nibs and we battled orange peel and uh, alligator skin i don't know if you've ever seen that one yeah we had alligator skin too you know supposedly that's where the primer's too thick you know but uh oh, in the end we won man and uh yeah the car's beautiful man i mean the, the paint job on that thing is just it's incredible yeah one of the things about doing these cars too is that they're they're economy cars man the the panel fit wasn't really all that great with those were new you no, know, no, it's it's, it's not over, a Porsche. It's over restored by a long shot at this point. You know, yeah, yeah. It was it was it, it well. It almost took three tries. Not, Dave and I really did have too much of a go at it. I mean, we we bonded the whole car and sanded it at least five times, but we never right. we never got past the primer stage. And then the the, the Larry thing was a fifteen grand mistake. It took sent me back two years, but. You know, in the end, there's there's this hero that comes along, man, you know, and uh, Wences just gave me, you know, a $30,000 paint job for a couple grand, you know, and, and, you know, we did the majority of it out in the backyard, just like the whole rest of the car. It was, it was all done in the backyard, except for the, except for shooting the paint, it was buffed outside and the whole thing was done under a carport, it wasn't even. Wasn't uh, even in the garage you know, until and, it was finished. Yeah, and if you guys are following along on the build thread, man, I mean, you can go by, you can go through all these pages, and look at all the all the little details here and there, and everything with, you know, from uh, what is this a micro a micro switch uh, under the gas pedal? Is that what that is? Well, the four piston Brembos, you got to by the time you push them hard, by the time you push the pedal hard enough to turn the lights on, you're stopping. Right. So especially the aftermarket uh, pressure switches that fit in line these days, that they don't really turn on as easily as they could. Sure. And so I just went ahead and put a micro switch on it so I can touch the pedal <laughs> and turn the brake lights on, you know, and get that person that's on the phone in their big SUV behind me to, you know, notice yeah. brake lights are on there. Yeah, you know? and, so, you know, you got LED taillights 
in this thing. Oh yeah, vintage car LEDs, man. Once again, like I say, there's so many heroes to this story. It's like, what's your address? Like I gave me those. I'm like sponsored by them. Yeah. All these LEDs for the taillights, and then some of those brand new, like super bright uh, modern LED headlights. You know, just just mail them to me. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Just says, well, just tell me what you think. Like you know. I'm just floored. There's so many stories like that. Like every time I ran into some kind of hangup or whatever, the Samba, you know, someone came through and just styled me out. And I mean, and so what's <laughs> what's next on your plan for the car? Now you get, you're you're working some bugs out. You just got her on the road, and yeah, uh, I gotta sh- I gotta shake it all out. I want. I mean, it has to work right. I'm gonna drive it. I swear to God, like you know this, uh, because I went to this level with the car. You know, I had to fabricate all my own shift linkage. Yeah. Uh, the clutch cables custom. You know, uh, there's a lot of different parts that haven't like haven't ever been put together in work before. And I mean, yeah, it's a crime. So far, it's a crime yeah. not to drive this car. After yeah, yeah. But I mean, what 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 I'm kind of getting to is that is that I uh, since I decided to put everything together as best I could and make everything nice and bright and pretty and all. That it's got to work, and I want everything to work, and I don't want any. I mean, I've been chasing all the rattles out of the doors, and and uh, getting the shifter adjusted just so, so it hits all the gears. Um, you know, I'm always picky about where I adjust my brake pedal and where the clutch grabs, and all this stuff kind of stretches and settles and breaks in. But uh, yeah, I want it. I, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The, the the amount of work that it's gonna take for the you know the, the car that I drove onto the trailer to take to the show. Right, that I just put together, and then the car that goes down the road doesn't have anything that bugs you or is annoying. You know, well, that's a long way to go. Still, you know. Oh so, no, it is. You know, when we're tearing up, we're tearing apart cars apart. We're never paying attention to the small piece of horsehair that's tucked be- behind the the door check rod or the the door right. rod or the small piece of foam that goes around the door handle. Like we're just ripping yeah. all that stuff out, not paying any attention to that. And then I'm I'm driving my square back not long ago, and the the freaking door rod is rattling behind the door panel. And I already know yeah. that my friends that I bought the car from when they redid it. I don't think that they ended up doing that. You know what I mean? And I know it's got to come out and that's got to go in there because it's yeah. like when it's, it seems like when everything's fine, it's that, it's that little rattle or that whistle that's going to make you insane. Yeah. What is it you pay attention to? I mean, I know me and especially since I've gone through so much pain for this car, it's going to be like, that rattle's really going to bug me. It ain't like when it was a rat. Right? Yeah. But luckily, <laughs> the, the right side of my car had never been apart before and I took pictures of everything because I knew – that I was going to go all the way, you know? And I mean, I mean, we did our own, all our own sandblasting. I had one of those tarp garages and, and, uh, my friend Dave was on the outs with his wife and needed a place to stay. And, you know, God bless my wife. Once again, she let him stay in the garage all summer. You Here know? you go, buddy. But you're going to have to use this, hand him some sandpaper and a, and a block. Like <laughs> you got them to earn your keep. <laughs> oh, well he was sandblasting. Oh, like wow. this is, and this is a crappy little piston compressor. It's not a pro. We had two little compressors teed together. Only after we were all done with that did I realize one of them had a bad valve. <laughs> oh. And and Dave had been through like some some really really bad shit in, 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 in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean he he was in a really bad place in his life right there with his being on the outs with his wife and stuff. He was like. 
he's the nicest guy in the world, man. I love that guy like a brother. And, and, and it, it speaks volumes that my wife would just let him live in our garage for, you know, summer. But he just wanted something to like ease his mind and, and, and quiet the voices that, that were in his head, you know, cause he was going through a lot of trouble and he'd been in the funny farm and, and he's just a, just a, a great guy, like just the sweetest guy you'd ever meet. And yeah. so, yeah, it's kind of like his therapy, man. That, uh, all we had was like a paint respirator. We didn't have a pressure hood. Uh, we had to scoop that sand and sift it. It was August. It was screaming hot. You know, he's out there barefoot. You know, uh, he blasted like 11 hours some days. That's you know, he would just, I'd keep the beers coming at him and he, he just loved getting every single tiny bit of that shell to bright white metal. Like every single rust pit in that car got blasted to white metal at the very bottom of every pit, you know? Yeah. We got every tiny speck of seam seal off that shell and 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 yeah, it was all day, man. I mean, I did a few days in that blaster, but not like he did. And, you know, then that's one of those things that took pretty much all summer to sandblast the car. Maybe, maybe more like nine months. That's wild. To sandblast the car. And I could have, you know, just for a grand, could have had one of those mobile wet blasts. <laughs> just do it in a day, you know. So, you know, everything in the car is like that. There's a story associated no, with listen, it. Now, listen, I'm telling you, you, people can't appreciate this car until they get shots of the underneath of this car. Just look at the attention to detail. I mean, from the way that you put the sound deadening and all kinds of stuff, man. And and, and when I met you, you know, like I said, you and I just met for a, a, an hour or two at the show. But I, I could tell talking with you and picking up your vibe on the car, man, that this was something you're super into. And when I saw the quality work that you were doing and, and, and the and the attention to detail and on top of that, the custom touches that you did, it rang so true with me because I just love I love that look. I love thinking out of the box. I love doing something a little bit different. I love like, you know, your reason for picking wheels, the same reason I pick wheels. Like I pick wheels that maybe somebody else doesn't have on their car. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and that's kind of where, where I start doing things. Cause as much as we're all building these same cars, we want that uniqueness and that, and that individuality. So yeah, it's, it's anybody gets a chance to see this car, man, you guys owe it to yourself to, to dig in, take a look and, and really enjoy the, the attention to detail and just the over obsession of the building on this car, man. I just think it's, you know, especially to have it done in, in your, you know, in your carport at your house, because there's so many people that just upset, like they're, they're, you know, we're in it, we're in a day and age now where people have the money to drop ridiculous money into building cars like this and just paying and having it built. And you're out there in the trenches, in your backyard, calling on your friends, doing what you got to do, going, going the long, slow road to build this thing. And, and uh, it's for sure commendable, man. And uh, it, it definitely shows in the build of this car. Yeah, thanks. It was pretty cool at the Bugo because I'd never shown a car before and I wasn't sure what to do. And, you know, I didn't want it pushed all the way into the very far corner of the lot, you know? Right. And then, <laughs> and then I've been, you know, I didn't know exactly who you were. Right. I mean, I remember your carbon cab when it came out at Kelly park and all that stuff. Right. I've been a big fan of the German look the whole time. Yeah. And it turns out like, you know, you're the king of that. Right. So <laughs> it was pretty cool how you were like able to get me a good spot in the show. And I knew like what to do. Cause you know, having never done it before and trailered up there and none of my friends had ever done it. And, 
here we are, you know, trying to figure out how it works. And you got me a good spot. Oh yeah. That's listen, that's your, yeah. de- it's your debut and you want to, and you want to roll it out there, man. I, I would love to see this car down at the DKP meet in the, in the October one where they have that, uh, where, where they've got it down at, uh, it's going to be in, in old town, uh, garden grove, but it's, uh-huh. it, this is a car that deserves to be pulled out over there just because it's, it's so cool and it's so unique. Um, and I, and I think, uh, after the podcast, hopefully people will pay, pay a little more attention when they see this car, because if you walk past it, you're going to miss some stuff. And, and it's really, yeah, it's just, it looks like a stock fastback yeah. in the stands and the wheels. It did. I don't know. That's like, unless you put it up in the air and put mirrors on it, it's really not anything besides just a restored car really yeah so. and and i and i'm glad that i was able to kind of give it, it's so funny because you came to me like hey how should i bring this car to the car show i'm like oh bro you gotta have this right up front dude it's gotta be right so we pick yeah. the, we go and so like i say everybody the story i we get him the very first freaking spot that night i go to the hotel i come back and i'm like man that's so st- i'm so stoked for steve man he's got he's got the prime spot he's got everything dialed in. i show up in the morning i look over your spot some guy's got a freaking bus there with a double easy up block like blocking everything i'm like who is this guy right like and some guy with some 55 barn door you know 23 window whatever is over that jason there. stratton did for him yeah <laughs> right so. right and yeah. and he's got a double double easy up over it with a wall in it and everything and it's just like it's just it's just overdoing it at the at the car show but it was so funny like you know here you are Mr. Humble like you busted out your little area rug and this guy's got you know this whole production going on next to you you have a bunch of closet mirrors and stuff that I stuck under it yeah but yeah, I mean that was really fun though my friend buddy who towed the car up there for me when I you know, they were all back at the campsite. Like, I always like to go cruise the pits on Saturday night at that yeah. event because I like talking to the racers, you know. And that's how I ran into you because you were over by the pits there. And I, uh, you know, it was super cool to hook up. And I came back to the campsite, and everybody was all settling in by then. It's probably, what, 11 o'clock at night or something? Yeah. <laughs> I go, this guy's got me a spot. I'm going to be able to be, like, front and center. I got pole position, you know. Yeah. I'm going to, like, my car's going to debut, up, you know, with the mirrors and all uh, and so this guy, Buddy, who, you know, trailered me up there, he's like, all right, I'll do it. He had his wife there, you know, and we went and hooked the trailer up and we put the car right there, like right front center the night before. There were no other cars in the lot, right? <laughs> and then he's like, well, someone's going to run into it. So he's like, so I'm going to stay here and spend the night in my truck with my wife right next to your car <laughs> just to make sure someone doesn't come through in the middle of the night like on a bicycle and run into it or something, you know? Right. And so he spent the whole night there right by the pits. And, you know, a lot of guys will run generators or whatever, you know, and he's in his truck. And, and you know, his wife's not a car person either, really. But it's super good sport. But, you know, they had kind of a rough night, right? And it was kind of a long night. And it started late. And then, you know, first thing in the morning, the sun's coming up. Damon and I are over there to detail the car to get all the dust off it since the night before. It's still the sun isn't even up. And, you know, they're kind of groggy. They hadn't had much sleep. And so Buddy was a little grumpy. And then when that guy rolled up with that bus and the easy up canopy and all that, like first the host club tried to kind of chase me away into the back corner of the the show because, you know, that's an important spot for them. And then... (laughs) That wasn't going to work because I already had the wheels off it, you know. And then the guy with the 
with the with the bus did an end run and like made the show area bigger and <laughs> it was funny he was a nice guy though i mean he really was a nice guy but when he came over to that buddy was like oh no man that ain't happening you know and he's like he'd had enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> i had had no more. sleep all you night know, man <laughs> this guy's all right he's cool he let him have a spot you know it's a nice bus it's worth more than my car is you know give him an easy up canopy and all this stuff but Oh yeah, there was some tense moments that morning, man. My boy was stressed. He wasn't having none of it, you know. Hey, that's a true. That's a true friend right there, man. That's a true friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't letting that bus stay there. No, no. So it was fine. I guess there's also a tense moment where the wind picked that canopy up, and if it wasn't for my friend, you know, Damon making the diving save, uh, yeah, would have taken my car out. You and, know? and and that's kind of the deal with some of those the easy ups, man. If you're gonna put an easy up there at a car show, you better be, you better be responsible when that wind starts blowing, because you'll be responsible if somebody else's car gets gets whacked. And that's not even cool. You know what I mean? But, uh, well, you'd have to get Wentz back by there. I don't know what insurance check would good an insurance check would do me. You know what I mean? I don't know. When something like that, it's like, uh, yeah, well, you, you know, you don't even want to think about it. But you know, I, I tell you, I, I'm I'm stoked. Uh, we got a chance to get you on the podcast. Anything you think we didn't cover about the car? Something? I, mean, I know there's a million things we could talk about, but anything generally that you maybe want to touch on before we wrap it up that uh, maybe you didn't, we didn't get to discuss about the car? Well, I'm going to be building a big 2270 for it here pretty soon, so like that'll be it. cool. I like um, it. I'll be putting big Venturis in those 44 Webers and building, building something to rev, you know, with no nice. heaters. Yeah. It, listen, and, that thing deserves to be hauling down the freeway at a high rate of speed with that tranny. Yeah. The, the one I got was fun. It was kind of an experiment. And, you know, the big motors break, so – I'll, I'll have the spare here sitting on the stand on display, but I, I just think kind of one thing is like uh, the the whole kind of the cars kind of summed up in in like the carburetors, right? So they started in Italy. They were NOS. Uh, they were supposed to go on, I think, a Lamborghini Urocco, right? Yeah. They ended up on the Samba, and uh, my friend Lee, who lives in Albuquerque, went and got them for me. Um, mailed them to me. They were an NOS, but they were kind of shelf rashed. Then uh, my friend Brent, uh, who was stationed in Japan, uh, wanted to uh, started going through DCNFs. He did a set for his fastback and started getting into him. So I'm like, all right, I sent him to him. He did the slosh tube mods and uh, set all the baseline jetting. So then when he was in Japan, uh, he sent the card bodies to the East Coast to get to get uh, vapor blast. He sent all the hardware to get yellow zinc in Washington state. Then all those parts went back to Japan. Uh, he like reassembled and tuned them. Then when I got them back, uh, one of them wasn't exactly right. So I sent them to Blackline in Utah. So, uh, you know, the, the carbs have been across the Atlantic once. And across the Pacific four times? And across the country. <laughs> and across the country and then to Utah and back to California. Yeah, know? that's wild, so, man. But I mean, that, you know, it's like, <laughs> it really sums up the, 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 the level, the degree of, uh, of assertion that you have to try to make that car the way that you want it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and 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 I, I'm never going to do anything like that ever again, man. It's it was it was something I always wanted to do. I could check that one off. Yeah, you, know? you got to do it do it once. Get back in your bus and just cruise the bus around, and not worry about yeah, a thing. Yeah, no, I I like it. Yeah, I've been driving my oval a lot more because it's not like that. You know, it's you just don't worry about it. It kind of ruins the fun in a way. So you know, uh, you know, it's something I always wanted to do back in the '80s. You saw like the bikini girl at the sure. big trophy, and it's like. Yeah, you know, that's really what it is. It's just some kind of some kind of unrealized pipe dream I had as a kid, really. I don't know what fueled that. But well, I, I, I always wanted to do one as best I could, you know. Well, I can tell you this, man. For from my opinion, you pulled it off, man. It's a it's a awesome car. <laughs> I, I I love that thing. I love every every mod you've done to it has been tasteful. It's accented, it's a little bit stealth, but it's a little bit underlying performance, so I think it's. Uh, I think you really, you really nailed it, in my opinion. So I, I love the car, man, and I love to see it out there. And and uh, you know, who knows? Get it dialed in and take it on the Type Three Rally. There's a Type Three Rally coming up in October. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'll have to have it all shaken out, man. Uh, but I appreciate the props, Bill, because that means a lot coming from you. Because you, you know, I've I've seen your cars in the magazine, admired them for years. You know that uh, not a lot of us German look people out there, and you've gone the distance. So. <laughs> It means a lot, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, no problem, yeah. man. And I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing it at the next at the next show that I go to. Uh, if I'm going to be up there in August for Kelly Park, man, I, I look forward to running into you over there. Yeah, yeah, I might try to go to Kelly Park. You know, ever since I didn't get a trophy in Sacramento, I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe the star show car thing isn't, you know. Well, you, I've, I've always looked at, you know, my my favorite award that I have is from the Bugarama 54 in Sacramento, and I got second place in the show where my bus was on the trophy. So that's kind of a proud moment for me because, for me, I drove my bus to that show, and, you know, I drove it from Clovis, so I put, you know, 150 miles or whatever it is on there from there to Sacramento and showed uh -huh. up. The safaris were jacked i mean like that dead bugs in the front of the car i flipped open a safari parked it and walked around and hung out with my buddies all day and uh, uh -huh. you know it's just it's just a testament to like listen people's choice is people's choice and it's it, it sometimes comes a popularity contest and and my attitude's always been you built that car for you you didn't build it for anybody else whether it's yeah. always nice to get an acknowledgement of something like that and but i think it's it's uh you know people that know that know that car that will see that car will know what's involved in it. And that's one of the reasons why I love to do love doing the podcast to get the, the the story out there about it to some of those people that don't know about it. So when they do run across that car, they see the magazine feature, they'll know what's really going on with this car because that car's got so much heart and soul in it of yours and your friends and it's, it's a testament to the vw community man so uh listen man yeah. that car that car took first in my book man at the show so right look it was really fun to have it with with up in the air with the mirrors under it though oh that's so cool about every eighth or tenth person would come by there and then you'd watch them look and then they then they would like focus in and then they point to their friend and go, look at that, you know, like when, you know, the people who are really into it will be able to know if something's up with it, you know, when yeah. they look underneath there. So that, that was really fun. And then some people got really excited about it. And, you know, a few of the guys that came and looked at it that, that really could appreciate what that kind of thing takes, you know, the real hardcore. Yeah. It's, 
it was it was fun. I'll do it again. Yeah, that car that car deserve that car deserves to be really seen at a couple of the big events and and you may need to make a storyboard for it so that people can see the stuff that the the custom mods that have been done to that so they can actually pick them out because they're done so right that they're hard to pick up on. You know what I mean? And just the extent and level of commitment you went to build that thing, man. Listen, uh, yeah. I give you ton- I give you tons of props, man, because you've done you've done a great job, man. So oh, thanks, man. I appreciate and, it. And I'm glad we got to sit down on the podcast and just kind of talk about the car and the crazy story. And I'll put a link in the podcast to the uh, to the Samba thread so people can get on there and jump and check it out and look at the obsessive compulsive disorder that you have over, <laughs> over this black '67 fastback, man. And uh, yeah, it, it's, right it, in my opinion, it's the nicest one out there. So, oh, well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate it. It means yeah. a lot. Hey, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you at the next event. Yeah, right on. It's been fun. We will see you. You got it. If you enjoyed that podcast, feel free to go to letstalkdubs.com, support the podcast by picking up some merch. While you're at it, leave us a five-star review and you get a shout out on the podcast. If you really enjoy this podcast, make sure you share it. Share it in your Facebook groups, share it through Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.